Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Matt, uh, if we haven't met yet, and um, it's really great to be back. I've really, uh, really, really missed you guys. Um, thank you. So I haven't been up here in a while, so here goes nothing. Um, <clears throat> I want to share just a, a few thoughts and some scriptures and hopefully lead us into a time here at the end of, of worship uh, more together as a church family. So uh, this is really not like a regular sermon at all, as evidenced by the fact that I'm sitting down right now. So I'm going to save that for next week when we uh, start our new series. Well, to begin, um, I can't thank you all enough. I really don't feel like I have like the words to fully express um, how I feel here, but your cards, your texts, your emails, the space that you've given me, your encouragement, and especially your prayers. Um, I'm just so, so grateful for the support that you've demonstrated to me the past several months. This is a special place. I felt nothing but your love and your concern. And I, I'm not sure that everyone in my situation uh, experiences that. So I just want to say you have no idea how much uh, that has meant. Thank you. In case you don't have context for what I'm referring to, or if this is your first Sunday here, <laughs> which if it is, uh, if that's you, you picked a unique Sunday to be here. Um, but most of you know that um, beginning in March... Um, I'm glad we just have one service today. Beginning in March, uh, my wife Liz and I were separated, uh, culminating in our divorce, um, which was finalized in July, the beginning of July. And um, if that's hard to hear, believe me, I, I get that. It's, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to say. Um, I still can't get used to it. It's, this is definitely one of those things where it feels like I should be talking about someone else, but I'm, I'm talking about me. And so by far, the most difficult thing that, that I've ever gone through, um, to be honest, it's in, in many ways been, it's, it's brutal. As I have personally gone through some, kind of the stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, um, by the way, those are not, I have found, a linear progression where it's a constant up and to the right. Uh, grief is funny that way. You actually bounce all over the place, and it's a lot more like this um, than anything else. And so I have moments when I, I catch my breath and I feel hopeful about my life and future, and then followed by the next minute, usually without warning, uh, feeling just utterly defeated. I would say that in general, the lows, if this makes sense, the lows are a little less low than they used to be, or they were a month or two ago. Um, I guess if I, uh, life is starting, for, for lack of a better term, life is starting to feel a little more normal. Um, if I had to put it in as sophisticated of psychological terms as I know how, uh, in general, these days, I would say I'm somewhere between this and this, okay, so 
not this guy most of the time and not really that guy either. So somewhere in between there. So hopefully that, that helps. Um, but kidding aside, I would say that in terms of grasping like the severity of, of divorce and not just as like a theoretical out there topic, but specifically my divorce, um, each day I would say I, I think I think I'm a little more in touch with like the sobering reality of that than I was the day before. I told my counselor just this past week, and again, I'm just trying to put words to this, what I'm feeling, I said, I think the best way that I can describe it, um, I've got to use biblical language here, but it feels like the tearing apart of one flesh. And if you've been there, then you know what I'm talking about. I now know at a deeper level why God hates divorce, not, by the way, just because it's bad, but because he loves us and he doesn't want us to experience that kind of pain. But I fully recognize that to whatever degree healing happens, that the reality of it, the consequences of it will always be there, just part of my story. And the, like, the ripples are endless. And I don't even know all the, I don't even know it all yet. As you've heard the updates from the board over the past several months, um, I want to say that if you feel or have felt sadness, heaviness, frustration, anger, grief, disappointment, disillusionment, all of that makes perfect sense. I actually feel that way too, and probably more than, maybe more than anybody else. What I have found is that a lot of those emotions are, are secondary, and then if you dig down at the bottom of it all, at the lower level, it's just, it's grief, and grief is like the ultimate response. I want to share a reading and a prayer that I found in um, this Celtic prayer book that we've referenced a lot over the years, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that the words and prayers of others are really helpful, especially when you don't have the words. When families fragment, communities crumble. There is sudden death. When fathers are absent or leaders fail, we dare not count the cost of recovery. Disappointment, hard to voice. Yes, there is anger encased in numbness in the question, how can I dare to dream? In this prayer, God, my whole weight is on your strong arms. Help me be fragile but strong. I'm not called to be invincible, but to walk, broken, choosing my vulnerability. Nor is it necessary for me to self-destruct. Bring me to honest appraisal of all that is past. Give me your eyes, your heart, that together we may be healing the wounds of life. So because of all of this, I asked the board uh, for some extended time off this summer. It's why I wasn't here the last six weeks. And that was really hard for me to ask for. Um, I, am, I get that 99.9% .9 of the world, people who go through divorce, are like back in, at work on Monday. And we all know if that's the way the world works, then that must be uh, the healthiest thing. Um, but I really do understand the, the privilege of, of, of what happened and kind of the uniqueness of my position. And I did not want to in any way take advantage of that. I really didn't want to be a burden on the staff who would have to carry my weight or be seen as lazy or 
know, overly dramatic or whatever these voices in my head were telling me. But I also had this sense that I was kind of running on empty and that if I didn't take some time off, yes, I could compartmentalize and power through and probably manage okay in the short term. But this feeling of like, if I do that, there's a very good chance that I will likely somehow, somewhere, crash and burn or something bad down the road. And so I want to say thank you to you all. I want to say thank you to the board for their support and ultimately their encouragement to take time to care for myself and my kids. I want to give a huge thank you to the staff who carried on without me. Our team was like down a man, and at the same time, they're dealing with their own grief and the uncertainty that this raised for them. But they stepped up big time. And can we just put our hands together for this? They just did an amazing job. So thank you, staff. Um, I know you all know this, but we really are blessed to have such wise, godly leadership. And again, just an incredible, incredible staff team. I had three goals, essentially, for my time away. One was just to get my literal house and life in order. Just so many painstaking details and logistics to sort out. I had no idea. I wasn't prepared for that. Two, I wanted to spend time reading, reflecting, um, journaling, praying, to kind of begin this inward journey toward healing, but also knowing full well that that would actually be a much longer process and would extend well beyond my time away. And three, um, I wanted to spend as much time with my kids as possible. In what has been, no doubt, just a very difficult um, summer of transitions. So, we did that. And as a dad, I just I tried to make the most of our time together. And I'm so, so grateful for that gift that you gave me. I did not, and I do not take that for granted. Okay. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the kids and I went with um, Cliff and Julie and their kids and another friend of ours named Kenny, and we went up a ways into Michigan, and there's a state park or preserve area right along the dunes along Lake Michigan, and you can like hike in and just camp wherever you want on the beach. And it was a lot to get ready for. We, it took us a couple weeks to prepare. I had the gear, but I had to get everything, backpacks and stuff for the kids. And I mean, you have all your food, your tent, your gear in your pack. You're carrying a lot. We like tr put everything in there before we left. Try, we're like falling over. It's like this. But we're, we're so excited for this big adventure, you know, to begin. We can't wait. And so we finally get there and we hike in, in the sand. And we're walking, walking. I kept saying, like, this looks like a good piece of sand. <laughs> and Cliff kept, he wanted, to keep, he wanted to find, I guess, a better piece of sand. So we walked for about an hour and a half. Um, we finally get to the spot. And I'm setting up the tent in the sand. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Keeping sand out of my car when I go to the beach is impossible. And my car is not actually in the sand. 
So this is going to be a challenge, um, but I'm, I'm up for it. Uh, let's go. And uh, that first evening, it comes time to make dinner, and like the sun is setting over Lake Michigan. It's, it's beautiful. There, there are no people around for like miles in either direction. It's just nature. And I'm thinking, this is going to be perfect. You know how when you normally go to the beach, um, you kind of, you're at the beach, and then you go to the house or the condo or whatever uh, after that, and you get cleaned up, and you do dinner, and like the sandy part of your day is over? Okay, this is not like that at all. Uh, again, sand is everywhere. You're sitting in sand, trying to cook dinner over a little camp stove in the sand. The pot has sand on it. You're trying to carefully pour water from a bottle into the pot. And the, right before that, the bottle tips over in the sand and gets sand mostly on the lid. Okay? On top of that, sand is blowing into the pot of boiling water. It's making these little tiny, it's making these new little dunes in the bottom of your, where the food goes. So I sat there at the, at the start of our big fun adventure, and I had this sinking realization. I kind of hate this. <laughs> I, got, I think maybe I'm too old for this. Not like the physical exertion part, but just too old to be bothered by, by this whole thing. Think maybe I'm not up for the inconvenience, the discomfort of this constant battle with sand. There's just no way that you can win. And so I thought maybe I made a mistake. And that's how I felt the whole first day and a half. The, the reality did not match the ideal. But then somewhere during the second day, I had another thought. What if I just settled in and accepted it? Sand's not going away. What if I just got into it, you know, settled in and stopped fighting it? And I'm telling you, that mindset shift completely changed my whole experience. I went almost immediately from like uptight, like control freak to, I don't know, like a, a wet dog at the beach or something. <laughs> uh, and the kids and I, we just had the best time. We made some really, really great memories. Uh, I shared that whole story with everyone uh, the last night, just sitting kind of around the campfire, and they were all like, yeah, you did. You changed a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this picture was taken right before we left to come home, and look, those are genuine smiles. Uh, we loved it. I was also like, Silas, why do you have a, why do you have a brewery T-shirt on? And I go, ah, never mind. Apparently, nothing bothers me anymore. Yes. <laughs> so as we were hiking out, um, Cliff and I, I tell you that because we're walking up ahead of everyone and Cliff said to me, he said, you know what you said last night about the sand settling in? I go, yeah. He goes, I think maybe that's not just about sand. Like perhaps that's a word or a picture overall for this season you're in and the Father is calling you to settle in. Like, Dang it, Cliff. I think maybe you're right. Obviously, that's easier said than done. Um, I've wrestled with God a lot the past several months. Psalm 30 has this line that's pretty famous, but I find myself relating to it in a different way. It's verse 5. It says, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And I, I've usually heard that like 
metaphorically or uh, like symbolically, but like I've had many nights where I can't fall asleep, my mind's racing, or even this is the worst, when at 3 a.m. I'm instantly wide awake, obsessing, anxious, you know, mind going. Do you ever have those nights where you think it will never end and you just lay there and everything is like your whole life's horrible and you just spiral to dark places? I do. Uh, And in those moments, it's like, I know in my head that this will all look differently in the light of day, that I won't feel this way, but can morning please just get here? Like you're just trying to survive the night. And a lot of times I just get up at like four or five, like close enough. Um, And I get my coffee and I'd play some music and I'd sit down with my journal and my Bible and my Celtic uh, prayer book. And I would usually start with, okay, what do I have to be grateful for? I just make a list. Turns out a lot. And then I'd go on to, okay, Jesus, here's how I'm feeling. Here's the the demons that I was fighting last night. Here's what's going on inside of me. Just get it all out, unfiltered. And I could feel like I could breathe a little easier again. And then I'd go on to, okay, Jesus, what what do you want to say to me? What do you have for me today? And eventually, against all odds, the sun would come up. And in that whole process, I would experience a deep peace, even a sense of joy, God saying, you know, I see it. I see it all. Realizing God is with me, that I'm his son, that I'm deeply loved. In Lamentations, the writer, he gives this like really long list of difficulties and reasons to stay up, uh, to not sleep. And then he goes on, he says, but because of, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies, your compassions are new every morning. God, you are so faithful. I believe that's true. I've actually experienced it to be true. But I also know I actually need that to be true uh, more than ever. It reminds me of this moment I keep going back to uh, in John 6 where a, a bunch of the crowd abandons Jesus because his teaching is too hard. And Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, what about you? He goes, you don't want to leave too. I mean, do you? And in other words, are you going to remain faithful? Are you going to stay the course or are you going to turn back? And their response is, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. In our language, Lord, this is far from easy. But we've seen way too much to go back now. You are our only hope. And so that's where I've been. God, I don't understand everything. I have questions and all kinds of whatabouts and what ifs and you name it. But God, I have sensed your presence to a degree I don't know that I've ever felt in my life before. God, I've seen your faithfulness. Story after story in my life, including the fact that I'm sitting up here right now. And so, God, I put my life and my future and my kids in your hands. You are my only hope. And so, with the help of Jesus and a good therapist and family and friends, um, I'm taking things one day at a time, but moving forward. 
as far as um, my sense of calling and me being a pastor goes. I'm really, really glad to be back. Um, I, I feel like I have a little more energy for this. Definitely not to like something to give. I did not feel that way even six weeks ago. And I honestly, I don't know what going forward is going to look like. Um, I've never, we've never been in this place. I want to say that I realize it may be uncomfortable for some of you to have a pastor who's divorced. I just want to say that out loud. I mean, isn't that kind of like having a doctor who smokes? <laughs> I get it. To be perfectly honest, it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, not because of who I know myself to be, not because of like any integrity thing, but I'm aware of the stigma for many associated with a divorced pastor. And so I just want to say if that creates tension for you, I encourage you to wrestle with that, with God, with others. And at the end of the day, in love and in blessing, I would simply say to all of you, do whatever God is calling you to do. There's really only one sermon, by the way, and that's it. Do what he's asking you to do. My posture in all of this, and this is what I told the board back in March, I want what God wants. I want what's best for Commonwealth, regardless if I have a role here. And I really mean that. I will tell you, and I definitely didn't do anything to make this happen. In fact, I wasn't even thinking about this at all. I had other things on my plate. But I actually have a stronger sense of my calling and God's call in my life to do this work than I did before. If anything, I, I believe more in the church than ever. I have a greater sense of passion for ministry. And I hope it continues to be here at, at Commonway for a very long time. I have no plans to go anywhere. But again, I hold all of this with very open hands. I don't know how God will use even this down the road, how he'll work to bring good out of it, personally, professionally, but I'm trusting him to do that in time. I do want to say if you're here and you've been through divorce, I'm really sorry. Um, I definitely have a better understanding of what you have been through than I did before. If you are a part of a church or part of a religious environment where on top of the pain of going through the hell of divorce, you were also shamed or made to feel like a second-class citizen, I can't even imagine. That's not at all, at all my experience here, but I can't imagine. I'm deeply sorry if that's the case. Most of you know that we came into 2022 ready for what we've been calling a year of spiritual formation. Hilarious, I know. <laughs> and I had no idea, of course, back in January that this is where we'd be in August. Uh, we've been emphasizing this year that God actually forms us and shapes us through a, a number of key things. One, our habits, like you choose what you do, but then that ends up shaping you and me. So by that, we mean spiritual practices, disciplines, creating space for God to work. So our habits, uh, the practices, he forms us through community, our relationships with each other, and he does this all through the power of his Holy Spirit. If we could add one more to that list, God also forms us through difficulty, big time, through pain, through suffering, through any number of circumstances that we don't want. 
relationship issues, health problems, closed doors, disappointments, heartaches, you name it. Lots of scriptures that talk about this. I will save those for later. Oh, we'll get there. But I can't help but wonder, God, why is this happening now? Like, there have been so many good things happening this year in the life of our church. Uh, we did Rooted in the spring and the groups and the, what God did in, in all, many of our lives from that. There's great stuff happening down with Comaway Kids, with Comaway Youth. God continues to bless us financially. I would say, in my opinion, we have the greatest level of depth and maturity in our staff team that we've ever had. Um, and we're in this year where we're focusing like never before on being with Jesus and becoming like him and doing what Jesus did. So again, my question, God, why now? And I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I am also reminded in all of this that we actually do have an enemy who doesn't like it when people get serious about following Jesus with the whole of their lives, about the kingdom advancing. We have an enemy who doesn't play fair and will do whatever he can to keep you and me from fulfilling the purposes that God has. And so at some level, I actually don't think the timing of this is an accident. But here's what I know. Our mission to invite people to find hope in Jesus and the seven-year vision we believe God has given us, um, that actually didn't go away just because I did. Um, on the one hand, I sense in this kind of a giant distraction, an attempt to get us off course. On the other hand, I believe it's also an opportunity for all of us to reaffirm our commitment to what God has called us to. And so I just want to say, I am still drawn with all of my heart to Jesus. Like I have renewed uh, desire to give Jesus my one and only life, and I hope that the same is true of you. I believe more than ever that anything besides Jesus that we put our hope in, uh, money, career, relationships, security, comfort, will let us down, that he alone is faithful. Following Jesus is not always easy, but it is worth it. And so as we move forward the best we know how, depending on him, I am more excited and more passionate than ever about being a part of a church that invites broken, messy people, of which I are one, <laughs> to find hope in Jesus. And so thank you. I want to say I love you and I appreciate all of you. Um, I want to invite Cliff to come up. We're going to end by worshiping together as a church family with a few songs. I do want to read this scripture from Colossians. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. God, does that include the times I don't feel like it? Yes. One of the reasons that we worship, it's not because God needs it, like for his own. One of the reasons we worship is to remind us, ourselves, we need it, to, to remember who God is and what God has done. And so I hope as we sing 
that, that each one of us can get in touch, like at a heart level, not just with what God has done for the world, but what he's done for you and your story, your life. Reasons that you have to be grateful. As you look back at your life, every moment, the highs and the lows, he's been with you and all his grace. That line, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Worship also reminds us, and we need reminding from time to time, of our ultimate hope, which is Jesus. It's one of the ways that he brings his peace and his presence to us, to his people. And I would say in a moment like this, that's probably what we need the most. If any of this is brought to mind uh, for you, areas in your own life of brokenness or disappointment or anxiety or grief or whatever. As we sing with one voice, I just want to invite you to bring whatever that is, your whole heart, to Jesus, to ask him to meet you in that place. I want to end with one last prayer that's been meaningful to me, and then we'll sing. <clears throat> this is another day, O oh Lord. I know not what it will bring forth, but make me ready, Lord, for whatever it may be. If I am to stand up, help me to stand bravely. If I am to sit still, help me to sit quietly. If I am to lie low, help me to do it patiently. And if I am to do nothing, let me do it gallantly. Make these words more than words. Give me the spirit of Jesus. Amen. May it be so.